And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right, that means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare here. Hello and welcome back to the Upper Quartile Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Aiello, and I am joined by the Athletics Indianapolis Colts beat writer, James Boyd. James, the first time we've talked since the, the season's been over, we've heard from all the, the major players, the Shane Steichen, Chris Ballard, Anthony Richardson. It's going to be a fun and interesting offseason. And for you, I think, I think, I, I know I'm just putting the, like, the jinx on you right now, a relatively like calm, drama-free offseason, I think think oh you just because i know i'm sorry but like this is the first time the colts i feel like in a while aren't in the middle of a quarterback search and aren't you know in the middle of a coaching search and there's just not like there's not crazy stuff going on with you know i don't know i mean this season was nuts between all the things that happened with jonathan taylor and jamersay and the suspensions and it just felt like it was never ending um and i felt like and i shouldn't even say this season i think it started back from the moment they hired jeff saturday uh or even before that with all the drama around frank reich like it's just been a whirlwind, but I kind of think going into this offseason, the majority of the conversation will be about how do we build a good football team around a coach we know we like and a quarterback we know we like. Is that, again, I'm sorry for jinxing you, but does that feel like we're the position we're in right now? Well, I'll start by saying this is our second pod since the season ended because we dissected the play. That's true. You're right. The play. But this is the like since basically the end end, you know, exit interviews, season ending interview, all those things. But I do think that this offseason will be a lot less turbulent than the last one, mainly because your big picture questions have largely been answered. You have your coach. Shane Steichen looks pretty good in his role. Obviously, the Eagles missed him tremendously throughout this season, and particularly last night. We watched that terrible Eagles performance on offense and defense and really just a bad performance overall. And then you look at their quarterback situation. Obviously, Anthony Richardson got to stay healthy, but you feel good about the flashes he showed. And as we've talked about in the past, he has the character. He has the demeanor, the leadership qualities, all those things. It's just a matter of, can you be available to play for your team and grow? Obviously, there is a bigger gap between him and CJ Stroud than there was even just a month ago. But again, you feel good about that. So again, heading into this offseason, I don't think that we have to worry too much about changes. Chris Ballard confirmed to us that Gus Bradley will be back next season. I believe it'll be his third season with the Colts. And so for those of you upset about the defensive scheme, the way it looks and all those things. I guess I have to prepare, prepare myself for another year of yelling in my Twitter mentions, but he's back. Just being real, I'm not too upset about it, mainly because covering 
you know, coaching changes and offensive coordinator search searches, defensive coordinator searches, all those things is um, a lot. And so it feels weird to not have, you know, a list of things to be doing right now. Um, I have some things I'm working on, obviously, but um, a much quieter offseason. And I think that's a good sign, Jim, of where the team was and where they are now being nine and eight. And as Chris Ballard put it, legitimate position to compete for the division next year. I think that that stability that you're talking about, I think that the, the drama free, they're not doing the coaching search thing. I'm not saying that's why they're keeping Gus Bradley, but I do feel like it's subconsciously maybe part of it for for them is just like, let's not do that this year. Let's just have our coaches, our players. Let's know what we're doing going in. We know the scheme. We're going to keep everything the same. I think Shane Sykin said it. I'm a big, he's a big proponent of continuity. Um, now, again, I'm not saying that that means he doesn't truly believe in Gus Bradley. He just wants to keep everything the same. But I do think that there is some part of him, some small part of him or some small part of Chris Ballard that said, let's not do the 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 coaching staff churn. Let's yeah, not do the roster chairs. churn. Yeah, I think there's some of them that's saying, like, let's have these players come back, you know, the guys that we have come back. And we'll get into, the, you know, how many of these defending defensive players will be coming back. But a lot of these young guys, especially, like, Let's not put them through learning a new system again. Let's let them come back and play in the same system and know um, how to do it and what they're what's expected of them. I think there's a lot of growth um, you can expect from these kinds of guys when when they know what they're what they're getting into and they know what they're studying in the offseason as opposed to hey the Colts are going through a defensive coordinator search. Hey, they hired Wink Martindale, who's going to do 800 different things different than Gus Bradley ever did. He's either going to blitz 50 percent of the time as opposed to. What was it like? I think 16% of the time. With yeah, Bradley, I think they so. were the league low and bliss percentage. And I think one of the criticisms, and it is a valid one, is that with Ballard, not, not Ballard, Bradley, and this cover three defense that he likes to run, it's designed, obviously, to keep a lot of things underneath, but the offense is still able to get a lot of explosive plays within that. And that's the the annoying part I guess if you're a fan or if you're critiquing this defense it's okay well what's the point of sort of being less aggressive if that allows the offense the opposing offense to be even more aggressive and still hit some of these big pass plays and that's where we saw the biggest drop off you know in defense it was giving up the explosive plays through the air I believe off the top of my head it might have been like 85 explosive plays through the air which in our data metrics is I believe a pass play over 16 yards. And so that was rough. And we saw that in, in a lot of instances throughout the season where maybe they aren't going completely over the top for some long deep ball, but they're just gashing you across the middle over and over and over again. And to me, that's also where you miss a guy like Bobby O'Karake, who's great in coverage. You know, Zaire Franklin's a really good linebacker, but he's not a coverage guy like that. Um EJ Speed got better at it throughout the season, but he's still not someone you would think of in the league as, okay, he's one of the premier, you know, uh, guys at at doing that. And so, again, you wonder, with another year in the system, continuity helps, obviously, comfortability, but there is some conservativeness to just the way Gus Bradley does his defensive stuff, and you wonder, can they maybe not – reinvent themselves but just tweak some things to be a little bit more aggressive granted their built-in excuses here was how young they were in the defensive secondary so i don't know how much i can criticize because bradley this year but as people have pointed out this was kind of the case even the year before 
with Stephon Gilmore where they played a lot of that cover three and still got beat. Now, granted, different team, different coach as, as far as the head coach goes. Um, but I think this year, if you give Gus Bradley a chance, which which they are, they're giving him a third chance to come out here and be their defensive coordinator, then if you revamp this secondary as they should, as we think they will, then I think the excuses really go out the window and you can finally be, I think, fair in the critique of him. Because at that point, he's no longer a new defensive coordinator. He's got guys in there to make plays. They're not these, you know, young, inexperienced, low-level type of, you know, defensive backs. These are these will be dudes if you're trying to win the division next year. I'm trying to think of the question I want to ask you exactly is I want to try to ask this in the way that a Colts fan would ask you um, this question is I understand all that. I think you're dead on on all that, by the way. I think that Gus Bradley wasn't necessarily given a fair shake um, this year, given the secondary he was handed. And I think Chris Ballard said that during his season end press conference saying we went young in the secondary, didn't give him a lot of talent to, or at least not of experienced talent to work with. Um, this year, I think they're going to change that. They'll probably add some veterans to the mix. And and again, you'll expect growth. Defensive line performed pretty well in terms of getting pressure. Again, not terribly consistent this year. I, I w- I'd like to see that you know better. But my question for you is this. Especially coming off of, and I know you watched Philadelphia and Tampa last night. Is it hard not to watch a Todd Bowles defense just come after a quarterback like Jalen Hurts? And essentially, beat? I mean, don't get me wrong. Tampa Bay's defense is full of talented players, but they largely dismantled Philadelphia with scheme last night just by saying, we're going to blitz you. You're not going to know where it's coming from. We're going to overwhelm you. And you're not going to have answers for it. And scheme, again, Philadelphia is struggling. All the caveats you want to say. My question is, is it hard for you? And as Colts fan, or, you know, as Colts fans are wondering, would you rather watch a more aggressive defense had you had your druthers? This is not supposed to be an indictment of Bradley, but just asking you, which kind of defense do you like watching? Oh, yeah. It's always the one that's more aggressive, right? Because okay. you feel like you're closer, to the, yeah, you're closer to the action. Yeah. You feel like you're taking it to them as opposed to them taking it to you or you waiting for them to mess up. You're forcing them to mess up. It's those little caveats within the defense. And I do think that he has to be a bit more creative with the blitzes because even with you know, the sacks that they had, 51 most in the Indianapolis era history for this franchise, and they've been here 40 years, Within that, you still saw some of the issues when they don't bring pressure and when they're not able to bring pressure without just their front four because there are opportunities for, you know, Grover Stewart, uh, DeForest Buckner, who, again, year in and year out, he wins his matchup. He wins against two guys, three guys, four guys. It doesn't matter. Buckner's going to get his numbers just because he's that good. But, again, how comfortable do you want these opposing quarterbacks to feel? And, quite honestly... Not to be rude about it, but they didn't play any legitimate quarterbacks the last month of the season until they faced C.J. Stroud, and you saw what he did to him. And so I don't take away from the fact that these guys produced throughout this season, but I do wonder, okay, well, these numbers may be a bit inflated with the sacks and things like that because of the quarterbacks they faced. I mean, Aiden O'Connell, you know, Jake Browning, you know, uh, who was the other person who started? Oh, uh, Mitch Trubisky. These aren't guys who you're worried about are going to burn you, you know, with their arm or whatever. And so whether you bring pressure or not, they're probably not going to, they're probably just not gonna, going to play well. And so all that to say, he's not going to be top balls overnight, never going to be that person. 
Um, it was fantastic to see some of the defensive stuff that they did, obviously, in that game. But can you add a new wrinkle, a new layer to your defense that at least allows you to be more aggressive? And I think the players would appreciate that. They would like a chance at that. But as we know, Jim, the flip side to that is how much do you trust your corners? How much do you trust your safeties? Because they're going to get tested. And I can say when he's fully healthy, I trust Julian Blackman back there. Do I trust anybody else? I I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, obviously Kenny Moore is going to be a free agent. Julian as well. Do they bring those guys back? We'll see. But Kenny, I trust him on the back end. I think he's proven himself to be a, you know, good to at times great cornerback. But beyond those two guys, I don't know if I trust Nick Cross 100%. I don't know if I trust Rodney Thomas. I would say I don't trust Rodney Thomas based off the season he just had, which was a step back, in my opinion, in his rookie season. I don't trust Jalen Jones, Juju Brents, largely due to the history, not history stuff, injury stuff with Juju. But again, I don't know if I trust those guys. And you have to have trust there that if you send an extra guy, it's not going to result in a 30-yard completion every single time. You're going to have those moments where it doesn't work, but I am curious to see if we see just a little bit different with this team and you know how that would look and maybe how that would enhance them or help them take another step forward and what should be a very, very big year for this franchise, assuming Anthony's back healthy, he stays healthy, and they have a real shot to look at what they're capable of. Going on the tweaks, I wanted to say, can he, can he change his stripes a little bit? And I think the answer is yes, given that he comes from that Seattle cover three background and you watch what um, what Dan Quinn did in Dallas. And that's a lot. It's a lot different. What Dan Quinn's doing currently in Dallas, and I know he just got gashed by the Packers. Everybody doesn't want to talk about Dan Quinn. I get that. But overall, the defense was very, very good this year, performed very well. And I just wanted to look into the numbers a little bit. And they did blitz on, on um, like around 30% of the time, which is almost double what the Colts did. And they didn't play exclusively cover three. They played a lot more man. And Now, to your point, they have the horses to do that, right? They had Steph <laughs> yeah. Gilmore. They had Deron Bland. They had you know uh, Trayvon Diggs for a little bit until he got hurt. So they had the horses to do it. And and I think that will, is kind of the marriage between what Ballard is saying and, and where Gus Bradley is, is that he's got to, if they want to see him tweak his scheme a little bit, they want to see him be a little more aggressive, they got to give him the horses to do it. And so I think... That will be interesting to see early on is to say, can he be a little bit different? Can he evolve in order to, you know, be a little bit more attacking, be a little bit more aggressive? Because I think we've even seen Matt Eberflus. I think he did that in times with the Colts a little bit uh, toward the end of his tenure and maybe like later part of his tenure with the Colts and certainly with the Bears. I mean, with the Bears, they've been a little bit more aggressive blitzing um, during at least his second year when he was calling defenses. So, again, you've seen these typically more conservative guys who are locked into their systems for Flus, it's cover two um, for Quinn. It's cover three, but they've changed, right? They've tried to be more aggressive. They try to dial things up when they've had the personnel to do it. And so I think that will be important for the, for the Colts is to find the personnel uh, that Gus Bradley can evolve with. If they don't find it, then I think he's just going to kind of settle back into what he knows best, try to play it safe a little bit more, which is what he typically does. But I, I do think that is one of the things that the, the, the Colts are going to have to do, which is going to turn me in my next question, by the way. Um, we're going to all go a little bit out of order, is what we, James, of what we talked about ahead of time. But in terms of giving them the horses, the Colts have by themselves in a somewhat unique situation financially, um, in an enviable position, frankly. 
Um, they have around $72 million in cap space, which is, I think it's definitely top 10. I think it's maybe sixth in the NFL currently. And then things will change a little bit um, as we get toward the actual free agency. Chris Ballard has never been one to spend big in free agency. Hey, I, you know, he'll defend his track record saying he has gotten some guys. He's made some big splash moves like trading for DeForest Buckner and Carson Wentz, which he won't want to bring up. Um, but there have been some splash moves. But again, I wanted to say I wanted to frame this in a way that is because I think if I ask you, is he going to spend big in free agency? Every Colts fan is going to say, no, he never does. And that's true. But he has never really had the chance to build around a rookie quarterback contract, which is the I think anybody will tell you is the opportune time to try to spend on a team when you think it's competitive and win. Right now, Anthony Richardson doesn't really get like paid until year five. I mean, they got four cheap years, the fifth year option. They can even tag him. Like this goes out far enough that it, it's a while. You can you can commit to some guys for the next three to four years and not really be too concerned with the cap. So do you expect maybe not, you know, I'm not saying he goes all in like the you know, the Dolphins have in recent years, or um, I'm trying to think who else I, who else, you know, who else, the Rams, you know, some of those teams that have like, hey, we're just going to, we're just going to go for it. We're going to mortgage the future a little bit. I'm not saying he's going to do that, but do you expect him to be more aggressive given what this team needs, given how close uh, they were this year to being, you know, a playoff team um, and given the money that he has? Well, if I were, a free agent, I would tell him, yes, spend the money because I need the money, send it my <laughs> way. But I do think that Ballard is a bit more aggressive this offseason in free agency. However, I don't expect the pendulum to swing completely the other way Great. where we don't recognize okay. who he is. But <laughs> yeah, he's got to spend the money. I'm looking at some of the you know, holes and players that they could possibly look at. I didn't know Jalen Johnson of Chicago is going to be an unrestricted free agent coming up. You don't pay him. <laughs> You're like, I don't expect him to go out and say, hey, here's $75 million. Jalen Johnson come play with us for, for the next five years. I don't think that'll happen. But I do think that there's opportunities out there where you get more when now players where if he went out and did this last year, I think one of the names that popped up, he got your free agent again is Rocky Sin. And you're like, Last year, you're like, oh, what's the point in going to get him if you're not really going to win that many games? Why spend the money? Let your young guys develop. This year, I'm like, okay, maybe you draft another cornerback. Do you still add a veteran, you know, where you have some, one, a guy who could probably come in and be your starter, but two, some depth just in case you do have injuries and things like that where we saw this past year. Now, they had got down to maybe their sixth or seventh you know, cornerback at that point. So it was pretty rough. But even then, you had guys out there that you just did not trust. I mean, Daryl Baker Jr. was starting at the beginning of the season. And no disrespect to him, but he's, in my opinion, probably not an NFL starter. So those things I look at and say, is that where you could have spent a little bit extra money to shore up some of the things that you need to shore up in, in this defense and in this um and, and particularly in this team that wants to take the next step because I don't think you can you don't want to take last year for granted and say oh it was a one-off but you also can't treat it as a one-off and be like oh you know well we'll just plug everybody else back in and we'll just be right back in the same exact position that is not how football works at all and so you have to address some of your team needs because inevitably when something goes wrong 
You got to have guys out there that you trust. I mean, I'm looking at some of these other names. I guess it's like a wish list. Like you see, uh, Legarius Need. Yeah, yeah, I was looking yeah, at Legarius like, Need too, man. Like that's like, yeah. Eh, eh. You know what about that guy? And so again, all of those things to say, they have to spend more money this year, in my opinion, to get guys who can help them win now. I'm even looking at. Danico Autry, which is a funny name just to see as a free agent, just because of the history there with the franchise and what they maybe should have done in the past versus what they did now. And I'm not saying you go get a bunch of old guys and you sign them to a bunch of one-year deals, all that, but you do go out there and try to get players who can help you take that next step. And I think you can't be so afraid of spending money that it becomes a hindrance to your growth as a team because the good teams, the good GMs, they find a way to add talent regardless of what happens. And I know Ballard's thing, his 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 uh reputation is that he's he wins the draft. You know, he's able to find that gem in the middle of the, you know, pack or middle of the rounds or whatever who can come in and be a starter. But do sometimes you need guys who maybe prove themselves somewhere else. And you like, I like that guy. He fits what we want to do. And he said it. He said they're gonna be they being on a rookie. QB contract gives them the chance to be more flexible. And now is the time to bend, not break, but bend a little bit. That's I completely agree. I I I I try not to be duped by this because I think every offseason we kind of craft this narrative of like, okay, why might Chris Ballard be more aggressive this particular offseason? And then it never ends up actually happening. Uh so but I I really do think given because what you said, he he did highlight the flexibility that they have. Um I know they're not a big team that they're not a team that likes to, you know, push money down the road. They're not really a team that does that at all. They kind of like to pay as they go. Um, so I don't expect them to maybe do a lot of that, but man, it does feel like uh doing yourself a disservice in a in a winnable division. Now get, don't get me wrong, I think Houston's gonna be even better next year, given the the you know, I think the flexibility they're gonna have to build around CJ Stroud yeah, with a rookie yeah. quarterback contract. And I think the Jaguars will be better next year, too. Uh, maybe not a lot better, but better. They have some holes to fix, but I still think that Trevor Lawrence was playing hurt, and they'll get some of that stuff organized. Anyway, point being, I they're gonna there, there's a window, though, for them to be competitive right now and to try to push a little bit as you get into um, Anthony Richardson's second year and his third year and his fourth year, which are all going to be very, very cheap uh, compared to what other teams are paying quarterbacks. And, and can we just point out the fact that there isn't going to be this straight up jump with Anthony Richardson. He hasn't played. And so you have to account for the fact that, of course, I do think that they would have been a better team this entire season had they had him instead of Gardner Minshew. But I don't expect him to come back and, you know, score 30 total touchdowns and only have five turnovers and you know, have all these great games. He's going to have some up and down moments just because he hasn't played. And so, again, I do think his floor is higher than I thought it would be at the beginning of his career. His talent, his ability to throw from the pocket, which Chris Ballard touched on, wasn't very impressive. And I, I think a lot of that had to do with just Shane maybe putting him in optimal situations where he was just not putting those positions at Florida. But, again... I don't want to just crown him yet, as Chris Ballard <laughs> said, and say he's the guy. He's going to have it all figured out next year. He watched all these mental reps. All that mental rep junk, I mean, it sounds good, but you got to go out there and do it. 
So I've never heard any player tell me that, you know, their mental reps are more important than the ones they got in the actual game. And so with that in mind, you have to make sure that you have some other players there who can help you when your young franchise quarterback messes up. You know what I mean? It can't just be all on him. It's like, all right, well, Anthony's going to lead us to the promised land and we'll be fine. No, he might need some help. He is not Patrick Mahomes. He is not Lamar Jackson. He is not a guy who's proven, you know, no matter no matter what circumstances are, he's going to win a lot every year. No, he, he just hasn't done it. And so um, that's where I have to remind myself, like I'm seeing his talent, see how big he is, all those things. But yeah, he needs players around him offensively and defensively. They're going to help him steer this team in the right direction. And I just don't want him to be like overwhelmed. That's the other thing is like when you start doing the Superman stuff and you feel like you have to do all that stuff to be better, which is partly why I think Trevor Lawrence in a sense was, was played the way he did this year is like when you start to feel like you have to do everything that leads to risk taking, you know, uh, more, more hits and things like that. Cause you, maybe you're trying to scramble or extend a play, all those things. Let's just take a deep breath, add some talent around him and then go from there. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I agree. The offense, I mean, it feels like the offense is a good place. We can get, get it. The place we were going to start this podcast was kind of the end of, of Chris Ballard's um, news conference the other day, which were where he was asked if he's, you know, he's in a good mood and if he's happy. And and I think Chris Ballard, again, to give him the, to put it in proper perspective, what he said was he was furious after losing the game to, to Houston and because he wants to win. He's sick of not being in the playoffs. But 
he is generally encouraged by the trajectory of this team. And I think a lot of it does have to do with Anthony Richardson, which he did talk about earlier in the news conference and, and why he is encouraged. And again, I think you, you look at, I mean, look at the way the Philadelphia's offense performed last, last, last night. And then you look Ooh. at the way the Colts performed with, with both Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew. Yeah. You have to know you have something, you, you look like you have something special in Shane Steichen in terms of an offensive mind and, and potentially as a head coach in general. And that's what it looks like, but I want to give it a little more time because we've seen some head coaches have great first years and then not be so good the next couple of years. But offensively, I just don't think there's a lot of question about where he is in terms of being ahead of the NFL. I think he's one of the best in the league. And so I think you have to feel really great about that. But to your point, you know, we're looking at, I'm looking at Dane Brugler's mock draft and, and he has him taking a, a corner in the first round, which again, they need, they need an injection of youth and of talent in, in the secondary. And he hasn't taken an offensive end in the second round. And again, agreed, like you can never have too many pass rushers. I'm not saying this is a bad thought. However, I am saying, Protect Anthony Richardson as much as you can. He is your franchise. So if even if you think I don't, I don't want people and this and maybe I'm speaking to Chris Ballard directly here to say, hey, my offensive line played pretty well last year. Don't need to touch that again. No, do not do that. If you think they're go get another guy, get two more guys, get three more guys. Do not ever think your offensive line is fine. That's what kind of that's what got Jacksonville into trouble. Frankly, was was thinking their offensive line was going to be okay, and then that got Trevor Lawrence killed. Like. I actually respect what Houston did this offseason. I don't think they thought they were going to be this competitive. But they went out and they traded for like Shaq Mason. And they signed a, a couple of free agents to bolster the depth and try to improve. I think they made a trade right before the season started to try to get better at the offensive line. Just to make sure that they created a good environment for C.J. Stroud to to learn and to grow. And I think, again, I, I'm not taking anything away from the who is currently on the Colts offensive line. I think they played very well this year, much better than I expected them to. But they need to continue to build around that, continue to add talent because take that Philadelphia mentality. And again, bad example because they lost, but like continue to inject talent into that unit because that is the most important unit, even more than the receivers and the tight ends around Anthony Richardson is protecting him and making sure, like you said, he doesn't have to scramble out of the pocket and try to be Superman and try to do all these crazy things. Like let him be a passer as Chris Ballard said, because he can be, he showed it. Now he needs to take more steps and growth. I'm not saying he's Mahomes now, you need him to grow, and for him to grow, he's got to feel comfortable and trust his offensive line and his play caller, and the best way to do that is to protect him. So I do, I'm with you 100% is keep surrounding him with the things that you need uh, for him to be successful. Do not think he's a finished product. Do not think that he is ready to compete with the likes of C.J. Stroud, frankly. He needs help. He's going to need talent, um, and that maybe means getting another receiver too, or I still think that you know they could find a really, really good tight end. I know this is something Jim Mercy harped on, you know, years ago was saying like you watch, I remember he was talking about the chiefs and he was saying, you watch 10 who was Tyreek Hill at the time in 87. And you, you want that for your team. I think that a, a dynamite tight end like Steichen had in, in Philadelphia with a, with a guy like Dallas Goddard, who's very, very talented tight end. I think they could look to stand an upgrade. No, they have some guys who are good on the team right now. And man, I kind of think that offense could go to another level with a with a really dynamic um, tight end. And I don't think there's a lot of those guys on the free agent market, frankly. And there's Dalton Schultz, who I do like, but I don't think he's, you know, that kind of guy. Um, point being of this whole long-winded answer to this is keep, keep surrounding Anthony Richardson with talent. Keep making this offense as good as you can around him. And then in year four or year five, if you think, man, this guy is an all-pro, 
and we don't, he can lift everybody else around him. Great. Then you can kind of do what the Chiefs did and start spending on the defense. Wait, 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 so, wait, wait. With, with the Chiefs, you know, yes, I agree. But let's just remember that they have guys who can't catch. So don't true. But swing last the, year, they, <laughs> I know. they want to, they want to last you. year. No, 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 you're right. No, you're right. Don't, you don't swing it too far, but we're, we're getting too far into the future. But no, I agree with you. I agree with you. Like you got to add some talent around him. and <laughs> keeping Michael Pitt. Maybe that's a good way to transition is, is getting into the Michael Pittman conversation is I, I, you know, I was looking at, I think it was PFF's projections on uh, contracts for, for free agents. And they have him as a franchise tag, which I think is a very reasonable thing. I think it might actually happen, but man, do I hope Chris Ballard just says, whatever, what do you want? 25 million. All right, cool. Let's do it. Like per year. I mean, like, yeah, I mean like, let's just, just don't deal with the drama. Just if it's a million or two more than you wanted to pay, Whatever, just do it. You have a rookie quarterback contract. Just, just pay the guy, keep him happy, and keep him in Indianapolis. Absolutely, I'm looking at spot rack. I'm saying that right? Is it, is it spot rack or spot track? I don't know. Um, but I'm I looking spot track, but yeah, spot track. So I'm looking at their calculated market value, which they do for some of the bigger name free agents, and they have Pittman at four years, ninety point eight million, which be twenty two point seven million dollars annually. That's about the range that I think he'll be in. Now, I've made it very clear as the CEO of Michael Pittman Jr. negotiations, I'm starting at $100 million. <laughs> you know, it, this is like an auction. $100 million, $100 million, $100 million, you know, any takers. But I do think that he's not going to sign for anything less than about 22, to be honest. And so, and if it is like $20 million annually, I think there's a fifth year on that contract. And that's just where we are. So, um, I understand a lot of the talk about him, and we were just talking about this before the podcast. You know, is a guy like Nico Collins better than Michael Pittman Jr.? There's an argument to be made, at least this season. Obviously, Pitt's been healthier throughout his career, more proven throughout his career as far as the sustained big seasons. But if you had to ask me right now today who I want just for a game, it's probably Nico Collins just because of the top end speed and things like that. Pittman's not this, you know, super speedy guy, but he is a really, really, really good player. And I think it also speaks to the quote unquote culture. You hear culture so much in these press conferences, especially with football. I have never been around a sport that talks about culture more than this, this one, you know, football culture and our locker room culture and our, you know, game day culture, all this culture junk. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you really believe that, then you pay the guy who's your quote-unquote homegrown talent who delivered. He has delivered. He panned out to be the player you drafted him to be and maybe a little bit better. And so does it mean he's a number one for every team in the league? No, but I would argue that he's a top 12 receiver and a top 10 to 12 receiver in this league gets a big payday. And so you pay him, you keep him around. We asked Anthony Richardson about that. He was like, I hope we bring the whole team back. Obviously, his life will be a lot easier with a guy like Michael Pippen Jr. who can win no matter what. And I think that's what makes him good. His best skill, in my opinion, is his ability to win in tight spaces and catch contested passes. That's what he does in his sleep. And for a guy like Anthony Richardson who – Again, you can scheme up so many things to make him feel comfortable. You know, it gives me comfort, Jim, throwing it to a guy who I know is going to catch the ball. And that's what Pittman does. And so I don't think this is going to be some contentious negotiation. 
unless they're just unable to reach a certain number. But maybe Chris Ballard revealed a little bit of something when he mentioned in his press conference that, you know, him and Pitt are very close. He says sometimes they're too honest. Too but close. Honesty, yeah. Yeah. honesty is what you need in situations like this. You need to be honest. And I think that's what makes it easier. Like, you know, and, and Ballard also hinted at it again. He was like, if gas costs $4, you go get gas for $4 if you have to drive. <laughs> and so, you know, obviously I'm sure he would want a cheaper wide receiver yeah. because you guys want to save money as a GM, but he knows this is the going rate for cornerbacks, not cornerbacks, wide receivers of his caliber. So pay him. And and I don't expect this to be some long drawn out back and forth like it was with JT, where we have the two sides digging in their heels so firmly. No, I expect this to be done by the time, especially by the time training camp started, maybe even before OTAs and all that stuff. But like, I don't expect this to be some long, drawn out, oh my gosh, what are they doing with Pittman conversation? No, pay him, move on. And really, that's like the easiest thing on your to do list of this offseason, in my opinion. You finally have a relatively premium player at, at a premium position. Pay him. Like, the Jonathan Taylor debate largely centered around the fact that not that he was a premium player. We all knew he was a premium player. It was around running back. Do you pay a running back? Right. You paid you paid Shaq Leonard, who plays inside linebacker, not a premium position. You paid DeForest Buckner, who plays defensive tackle, not a premium position. Great players, by the way. You know, Shaq when he was, you know, still himself and and Buckner still is. Like, no debates. You pay those guys, they're great players. But you have a premium player at a premium position. There's nothing to think about here. And he's young. He's 26. Like, there's just, I mean, I think he turns 27 in October next year. You give him a four-year deal, plays till he's 30. You can figure things out after that. And I'm looking, by the way, you know, I'm looking at the um, AAV of, you know, you mentioned $100 million, which I think is totally reasonable. Looking at the AAV of um, some of the top wide receivers. Tyreek Hill's at 30. He's not getting that. Devontae Adams is at 28. Probably not getting there. Cooper Cup's at 26.7. Okay, maybe you're, that's probably a little too much given that the guy was like the offensive player of the year. So now you get into the next guys. And and keeping in mind, by the way, that the salary cap's going up. It always is now. Um, and the price will go up a little bit in AAV in terms of like, you know, where thing where guys are at. AJ Brown, 25 million. Steph Steph Diggs, 24 million. You could argue again, he hasn't made as big an impact as those two guys. DK Metcalf, 24 million. Now I'm starting to think Debo Samuel, 23.8 million. Terry McLaurin, 22.7 million. DJ Moore, 20.6 million. You're in that range, right? Like it's if you're in the Terry McLaurin, which I think is a perfectly reasonable range to be in, 22.7, given where the cap is and going up, being around 23, 24, 25 million annually does not seem crazy to me. And again, I know Colts fans will be whatever about paying Michael Pittman that much money, but you just pay it because he's a premium player at a premium position. Also, this, by the way, shouldn't really deter the Colts from spending in free agency. They can they can do some things. I, I think that's the one thing people always hear. I think Chris Ballard has used it as an excuse before. Uh, we can't we can't go big in free agency because we have to pay our own guys. You know, we'll get into free agents. James and I talked about this before the podcast started. We're gonna kind of go through a little bit more of like who they should resign, who they shouldn't. They do have guys they need to bring back, including Pittman. They do have guys they need to pay that will that will you know take a hit on the cap going into next year, but. Again, when you have a rookie quarterback contract, you can do things with the cap to make sure that you can still spend on outside players while retaining your own to try to maximize your winning window within the next few years. I think it would be a mistake if Chris Ballard wasn't 
more aggressive than he has been in the past, given the situation that they're in with a good coach, with a promising young quarterback, with a promising young roster. Now, I think the roster still has some holes, but I don't think it has that many holes. I think it has enough where you can realistically target some players in free agency, bring back some of the guys you have on your own team, and then target some players in the draft and go into next year and look around the AFC and say, we have one of the best five rosters in the in the AFC. That would be yeah. the goal for me. Yeah, and I I think it also, when we talked about Anthony Richardson's contract, how he's not going to get paid for a while, it also speaks to the older guys on your team. Like how much, how many great years does DeForest Buckner have left? How many great years does Ryan Kelly have left? You know, you're looking at, do you if you bring a guy back like Kenny Moore, how many years does he have Grover Stewart, other guys? And so you want to try to capitalize on this window where you got a cheap quarterback who is probably really talented, along with some veterans who have a few more years possibly of being really good players. Because then after that, you're going to look at, okay, we got to pay our quarterback, and then we have to overhaul our roster because all the guys who were pillars before are just older now. You know, DeForest Buckner, I believe, is going to be 30 next year. You know, you look at Grover Stewart, he's going to be 30 next year. He's not already, I believe. Um, Ryan Kelly is going to be entering that range. And so they don't have a lot of guys who are going to be around as long as Anthony Richardson, for example, and Josh Downs and even Pittman. You know, Pittman's only 26. JT's only 24. But some of these pieces, particularly on defense, are a bit older. And so you have to try to capitalize on that now. And I'll argue this, Jim. I don't know if you've been noticing with Chris Ballard, his appearance looks a lot different than it was last year. You know, he's got the long, <laughs> with this? <laughs> wavy hair. He's got the beard. He's a changed man, so maybe he'll open. Ah. Looking, he looks a little okay. bit like he's got his godfather look going on. Maybe he opens a checkbook up and he starts okay. with some money. You know, you know, I know, you know, Chris is known for being a little frugal, but he might be a changed man. You know, we might have New Year's <laughs> resolutions. His might be to finally spend some money in free agency. And so, actually, uh, I talked to him. This was a few weeks ago, uh, not a few weeks ago, a few months ago at this point, I think it might have been a Tennessee Titans game in Tennessee. And I saw him in the press box and I was like, man, I am just not used to this hair. Like, who is this person? He was laughing. I was like, <laughs> you know, and part of me was like, is this what stress does to you? Is this what happens when you got guys who are getting injured left and right suspended? Do you just say the hell with this shave, or this haircut? I'm just going long because if you look at where he was from last year's end of season press conference till now, his appearance, he looks like he's aged, you know, 10 years. And I'm like, you know, it couldn't have been that bad of a season. You guys went nine and eight. So <laughs> I think, I think he's hinting at us with his appearance that he's going to be, you know, he's going to open that, that, that wallet up and spend some money. So uh, I'm just teasing a little bit, but we will see. And I do think that if you want the team to be different, you got to be different. That's just the bottom line. And you're going in, in all seriousness, he's going to go into his eighth season with this franchise. They have not won a division title during that span. Haven't won one since 2014. You, at some point, your resume is what happens on the field. I know he was given a extremely unique situation with Andrew Luck. Even this year, he was given an extremely you know unique situation, given all the injuries, to top players, holdouts, stuff that you know he had some control over, but obviously not full control over contracts, when guys will report all those things. Obviously, the injuries he had no you know control over, but. All that to say, these can't be get out of jail free cards any longer. We saw what this team is capable of this year. 
And so next year, it's to me, next year is like put up or shut up or everything you've been preaching or everything you say you've been building. We haven't seen it because when you build something, you see results. And we really haven't seen results the last, you know, seven, eight years of this franchise. So one I'm excited one for that. Win. Yeah. And, and he mentioned it. He said it bothers him. He wants to win, you know, and I'm sure it irks him that had they won that season finale, regardless of what happened in the playoffs, they would have been AFC South champs. They would have had a banner that that would have been something tangible to see and look at. But right now you don't have that. You got all this promise. You go, you, you got trending upward, you got momentum, all those things, but who cares if you don't build on it? So that's the challenge for him and his team. And I think, you know, long hair Chris Ballard might be up for the challenge. We'll see. I hope so. I mean, I hope I hope it's an interesting offseason in terms of those things. And I hope that the, you and I are talking about some of the new players and how are they going to be deployed and what's Gus Bradley going to do and what's Shane Steichen going to do with this guy and that guy. And look at the depth on the offensive line. And like if somebody goes down, they're going to have, you know, they'll have X, Y and Z. I, I do hope that because I I think that'll be a, make for a more fascinating team to talk about and a team that you and I could realistically project, you know, as a playoff team next year, as a potential division winner. And to your point, they need to be. I mean, Chris Bell, I, I think Jim Mercer has gone to bat for Chris Bell quite quite a bit, saying that, you know, around the league that he's still one of the most respected GMs and great at, you know, X, Y, and Z. I, I get all that. I think he is good at a lot of the things that people say he is. But ultimately, like you said, win. Just win. Win a playoff game. They haven't won one of those since the 2017 season in 2018. Their last playoff win was January 5th in 2019. I'm sorry, so it was the 2018 season. Sorry. So 20, January 5th. 2019. That was what five years ago. I was covering so, high school sports in Northwest Indiana, and I had been out of college not even a full year. So things have changed quite a bit. I was even thinking the last time they won, they won a division title. I was that was the same year I graduated high school. I'm like, dude, things have changed since then. You know, I have facial hair a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just think that at some point, man. We can't give you a pass for everything. And I don't think he wants a pass for everything. And I think the challenge, you, you should be able to look at your resume and be proud of it. And I'm not sure if Chris Ballard can say that definitively right now. Now, he should be proud of the way he's kind of bounced back because obviously where they were from now to, uh, I mean, from a year ago till now is impressive. But as Shane Steichen alluded to, players, um, Ursay, I'm sure, is probably thinking as well. We have to build on this because this isn't what we aspired to be. We didn't strive to just be pretty good, kind of in contention. No, you go out there and you – I think when you have a guy like Peyton Manning set that standard for this city, you have a guy like Andrew Luck who comes in and gives you a glimpse of what can happen when you have the pieces in place, getting to an AFC championship game, all the things, all of those things – should raise your expectations level for this franchise. And they have. And obviously it's a completely new era, new coach, new quarterback, a lot of new pieces, all those things. But, you know, Jim Mercy is the first to tell you every year, the standard's the standard. We got to go out there and win and get back to being in the thick of it. And then, in my opinion, this is just my own mantra for life. If you're not growing, you're dying. So when you look at some of these other teams, even if the Colts stayed exactly the same, that would mean they got worse because do you think Tex the Texans aren't going to get any better? You think the Jaguars aren't going to retool? Obviously the Titans are where they are, but again, you can't just take for granted that, Oh, 
you know, we were right there. We're one of the top two teams in the division this year or whatever the case may be. Nah, you got to be ready to go next season with some pieces in place to win now. And hopefully with the quarterback who can stay healthy. I know we talked to him a lot about his health, where he was at. Um, just loved hearing from Anthony because he is a really good um, natured guy. Went through a lot as a 21 year old, which I keep reminding myself of. He's 21. He's 21. And so I guess before we uh, get out of here, I'll ask you real quick about him. When you hear that he's going to be throwing next month, Jim, and he almost, you said he was throwing 30 yards with the left hand. Uh, <laughs> That's my favorite. I want to see him. I want to see him do it. I want any tape. You know, what does that do for you? Because I know when, when he went down, we were looking at all the explosive play rate numbers and all this stuff. And, you know, you being a guy who watched a lot of Justin Fields, obviously we have an affinity from Lamar Jackson, what he's able to do just knowing that that talent could be healthy again. Uh, what's your thoughts on him getting healthy and possibly seeing him, you know, back in action by OTAs? I'm thrilled. I, I'm excited. And I, you did get into this a little bit about how, you know, the mental reps aren't nearly as important as the on-field reps. Couldn't agree more. But I will say, you watch a guy like Jordan Love really take off this year after th- taking three years of mental reps. You know what I mean? I, we played a yeah. little bit in between. But you watch you watch that happen. We Obviously, again, different situation because Mahomes is Mahomes. But having a year to learn his rookie season behind a guy like Alex Smith, learn the offense, learn Andy Reid's offense, like taking mental reps. I do think, I agree. Again, I, I will refra- I'll restate. I agree with you that the, the on-field reps are more important. But if Anthony Richardson is the player that I think he is, and the person that I think he is, then this year did not go to waste for him. This year right. was critically important. That's fair. And that he that he took all those mental reps. He watched everything Shane Sykin wanted him to do and said, I can I can do this. And he's gonna come in the year two, his first real, like you said, OTAs training camp. Because I always feel like the rookie year stuff, you're just learning how everything works in the NFL. Right. You're just trying to keep your head above water. He's done it all before. He knows the offense already. He's got everything working for him now. He should be healthy, as you said, by OTAs and be able to throw the ball. I, I'm expecting a lot, man. Like I said, my expectations are going to be very, very, very high. I'm not saying like MVP levels or anything like that for next year, but I am expecting him to elevate this team. And I'm looking, just to say, by the way, I looked at the strength of schedule stuff, and it's always hard going to 2024, but just based on wins losses this year, the Colts have the 21st strength schedule. They're, they're, the teams they're playing next year are at 491. Houston, by the way, is tied for fourth, 526. So they're going to have an easier strength of schedule than a team like Houston. They're going to be right around, uh, even, even Jacksonville's eighth. So they're going to have the advantage going into next year. They're a nine-win team this year. I expect them to win 10 or 11 games, and I expect Anthony Richardson to elevate this team to a level that the, that the Colts haven't been at in in a while. Those are my expectations. Um, and given the things, and I'm excited because I'm, I'm just to give you guys a little hint, James has got some really cool things coming on Anthony Richardson here in the next day or two, but I'm expecting him to be the mature and focused leader that he appears to be, and I expect that to manifest on the field. Yeah, that first game back is going to be crazy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, I think training camp would obviously be nuts, but that first game back when he runs out of Lucas Oil Stadium and – you know, God forbid if it's a playoff, you know, on a playoff, if it's a primetime game, Lord have mercy. That or against like Houston. Like if it's Colts Houston week one, like who? I need that. It. I need that. <laughs> Mainly because this is just me speaking from a fan perspective. <laughs> when I'm a fan of a team or a player, I love all of the narratives, all the smoke, all <laughs> the pettiness, because I would, I mean, I would talk so crazy if you know, whichever quarterback wins, I'm crowning him right away. 
I don't care what happened last <laughs> year. I don't care about, you know, someone, you know, if you're a Colts fan and someone says, oh, CJ Stroud won a playoff game, I'd be like, I can't even hear you right now because the Colts just, you know, beat him up or whatever the case may be. But I do think that, you know, one of the things that really struck me or stood out to me about what Chris Ballard told AR throughout the season, particularly at the end, he told him, you know, feel this. When they were facing Houston, he was like, feel this, feel the stadium, feel the vibes because you're going to be here. This is the playoffs. And it was a de facto playoff game, but this is what it's going to feel like. And, you know, going forward, hopefully you're going to be in a uniform rather than kind of on the sidelines. So um, I'm excited for him. And like I said, as a reporter, you don't root for the teams. You don't root for, you know, a certain amount of success. But I do root for the human being. And Anthony's, he's a little different, man. I, I don't know if I would have handled, you know, being in his position at his age, getting hurt, all those things, and kind of really, I think, showing his true character the way he has. I don't know if I could do something like that. I don't know many people who could do something like that and, and do it with so, so much grace. And, and he's kind of got this old soul, to, soul about him. And so um, it's exciting stuff. Like Jim said, I'll have a story on it on The Athletic real soon. But until then, uh, I don't know, Jim. We got some uh, we got some work to do. Got some fun, fun stuff to look forward to. But I do think that, uh, you know, again, Chris, if you're listening, make my life easy, man. Just get that checkbook ready. You know, put a bunch of zeros on there. And, uh, you know, let's let's get this thing rolling the right way. <laughs> it's very simple. Actually, I, I was going to say, because we're not going to probably do this every week. Just want to give you guys a heads up. We'll probably go something more like every every other week. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk senior bowl. We'll talk draft. We'll talk free agency. We're going to be here for you guys. I promise. But because we're going to be out next week, probably, unless something newsy happens, I am going to force you. Knock on some wood here. To pick me some. Uh, I won't make you pick a Super Bowl winner, but I will make you pick the conference champions. Ooh, right now, today, I mean, for me, going, it's going chalk. I, I got to go. By the way. I'm not going to not going to hurt you. I'm going chalk myself. So look, hey, Ravens, 49ers, they're the two best teams to me. Agreed. It's just hard for me to see. I mean, obviously, it's football. Things happen. Injuries happen. Turnovers happen. But I think this is the year Lamar Jackson proves a lot of doubters wrong. Love it. And I also think this is the year where you look at all the quarterbacks, and I saw some tweet about this. I think it was from Nick Wright at FS1, where you got two former number one picks with new teams. Yep. You have, you know, the two first-year starters, you know, who won their first playoff games. And then you also have, you know, Lamar Jackson, who's a star, Patrick Mahomes, who's arguably one of the best, you know, quarterbacks ever already. Um, does he further into the GOAT conversation if they want another one. And then you have Brock Purdy, who's like, you know, just <laughs> yeah. kind of hanging out. But, you know, yeah. he might have the, you know, he might have one of the best chances of all of them to get it done. And what oh, does that sure. do for the conversation around him if they are able to win it all? And so um, excited for the games. Those are my picks for the Super Bowl. I don't know who's going to win it. I guess I have to wait for that, see who's in it, actually. But Yeah, yeah, we'll, um, we'll make you pick it after that. We'll have time. Yeah, but I do think it'll be fun. And hopefully – you know, I'm not, you know, covering these teams. I'm not on deadline. So let's hope for some closer <laughs> games this, this week because I yeah. mean, half these games were decided. And then I was helping out the live blog, Jim. And, uh, you know, it's bad for, you know, uh, Green Bay, not Green Bay. I'm sorry, Dallas. You know, it's bad oh, for Dallas. Yeah. You know, it's bad for Philly when you're looking up stuff you're like last time XYZ happened in the game or, you know, most points scored and blah, blah. And even for, you know, 
the Browns. It was like the most points that they had surrendered in X amount of years. And so when you're looking up those types of things, you are getting smacked. And so let's see if, uh, you know, we get some better games. But I will say the game I'm, I'm most sad about this upcoming weekend is Chiefs at Buffalo. I, I was going to make you pick it real quick. You got an instinct? Ooh. Oh. I'll, I'll give you a second to think. I'm, gonna I'm go going to go to Chiefs and here's, and okay, here's go why. Ahead. Okay. Only, I'm going this, like I said, it's in Buffalo. It's the first time Patrick Mahomes has had a play on the road in the playoffs in, in, outside of the Super Bowl, obviously, at neutral sites. Um, I'm going the Chiefs in this game for one reason. The Bills defense is about as banged up as as they've been. They got some guys back, but man, they they their linebacking core is is kind of a mess right now. Uh, if the Chiefs can beat them over the middle, which I know, you know, big focus on Travis Kelsey, Rashi Rice does great stuff over the middle. And I think the Chiefs can run the ball against Buffalo, maybe. We'll see. The run game has been a little inconsistent. Anyway, I'm picking the Chiefs. The Bills defense is a little too banged up. That's that's where I'm at. I'm gonna go Buffalo then, just because <laughs> uh, when I grew up, whenever my dad picked the team. I picked the opposite one so we could argue. And so <laughs> I'm going to go Josh Allen. He looked incredible. Against incredible. The Steelers, obviously, four total touchdowns, the 52-yard run. I think, in all, in all seriousness, I think if you're ever going to slay the Dragon, there's a chink in their armor this year. They're not as formidable as they've been in years past. You're at home. If you're ever going to have a shot to knock off the dude – Now's your chance. And so Bill's Mafia, I'm sure, will be loud, and they'll be out there literally rain, sleet, snow, whatever. <laughs> and I just pictured in my mind they're going to be throwing snow in the air after they knock off, you know, the their, their nemesis in a sense. And so um, I'm excited for it. We'll see. But obviously a lot to discuss, digest. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited, man. This is, uh, this is the playoffs. And so uh, obviously, you know, you want to experience it as a writer or maybe as a fan, all those things. But hey, I'm still a, a very big fan of this game. And so I'm excited to see what happens because, you know, something that we think is not going to happen will. And, uh, how they respond. I mean, and to bring it back to the Colts real quick before we leave Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, CJ Stroud. You want to win the AFC? You want to go to a Super Bowl? These are the guys you got to beat. And there's more too, by the way. Ooh, there's you know, there's more, but those look at these four this this <laughs> this weekend, a lot of, a lot and of just that's what you got to beat. So that that's what Colts fans should be keeping an eye on and saying, hey, where where can we slide in here? Where can, they are can in the gym right teams? now? AR in the gym, like talk, <laughs> like looking yourself in the mirror and saying, you can do this. I believe in you. No, it, I, it's, I believe that no, he is. <laughs> it's true though. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's not going to be easy, and I think that's the 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 fun part about in the AFC right now. Um, is that they have so many dudes. So if you get out of the AFC and you win, you've done something. You look yeah. back on this era, you can say, hey, we, yeah, because there's a lot of players who, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but there are players who have the potential to be, you know, in Canton one day. You know, you look at a guy like, obviously Mahomes could retire tomorrow and be in there. You look at Lamar Jackson, you look at, you know, Joe Burrow, and, and when he's healthy, Josh Allen. I mean, these are all guys who have a chance to really, you know, have some great careers. So if you're the quarterback who was able to say, you know, at least for one or two seasons, we knocked those guys off. We were the top dog. That's something to say. And so that's what you're chasing. And, uh, oh, man, I'm, I'm getting excited. Is it 2024 yet? And I know it's 2024, but I mean, like, the season because. Yeah, I know. It's, 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 I can't it's, wait. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Well, it's going to be a fun off season. We're going to be here for all of it. We're going to be talking about all of it. James is going to be writing about all of it. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, uh. 
Come back and listen to us in a couple of weeks, and we'll be talking Super Bowl and, and more Colts news. But until then, thanks for listening.